to the great detectives of old-time radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. Well, this is our 1,750th episode special, and I want to thank everyone who supported the show. Uh, You can support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net or on an ongoing basis at patreon.greatdetectives.net. You can also pick up all of our great books, e-books, and audiobooks at store.greatdetectives.net. For this 1,750th episode special... We bring you not just uh, specials from anthology shows or adaptations of movies, but we also will occasionally do a series where there's only one episode in existence. And such is the case with today's series, Doc Easter Detective. It's a series that's draped in a bit of mystery that is essentially a total unknown. It was apparently an audition for a program that uh, originated in Chicago. So I guess it's appropriate to air two days before we wrap up the Crime Files of Flamont. However, there's a little bit of a question as to its air date, or audition date, I should say. With some saying 1939, some saying 1949. You can determine which is the most uh, reliable, I guess, by listening to the program. And I'll talk about that after the show. But here now is the uh, Doc Easter Detective episode and pilot, this time for Creeps. The National Broadcasting Company invites you to meet Doc Easter Detective. Doc Easter. Mr. Easter, would you like to help a man beat a murder charge? That depends on whether or not he is guilty. Murder is my business. Broadcasting Company presents Dyke Easter, Detective, with Albert Heck as Dyke Easter, and the case he calls This Time for Creeps. Dyke Easter, Detective of Solid Phrase. Looks good in my Red Book ad. I earned the price of that ad by letting a paranoid bookbinder empty a gun at me. <laughs> that proved he needed mental treatment. I don't know what it proved about me, except that murder is my business. You can cry on my shoulder or ask me to stop bullets with my teeth for $25 a day. And what have I got to show for it? A few assorted scars, a broken knuckle, a two-by-four office, one desk, two chairs, one filing cabinet, a private detective's license, and a telephone. I sit by that phone all day, and it's silent as a shelf in the morgue. You tell me why everybody gets pains at night, pains that need a doctor or a detective, like that night. Peter, you didn't understand me. I said I killed a man. What'd you expect? Congratulations. I've got to see you right away. You got any money? Answer me or hang up. I've got some money. Okay. Come up to the office, and remember, I don't take checks. 
creepy characters. I could write a book about them, but James Caber would need a chapter. Mouse size with mouse face, gray skin, darting eyes, mouse voice. He even smells like a mouse, and he was as terrified as a mouse. He dared me to kill him. He wanted to die. He kept laughing at me, urging me to pull the trigger. It was practically suicide. Suicide. You can't convict me for that. Relax, Tabor. Are you sure this what's-his-name is dead? That's Alec. He wasn't six feet from me when I shot him. He's dead. Gun? Huh? The gun you used. Let's have it. I threw it away. Down the sword. Good night, Tabor. I don't want the case. Could it? No. I've got to have help. I'll pay you. Look. I've got money. Give me the gun. How did you know? It was bulging in your pocket. Smith and Wesson, 45. <laughs> Small cannon. I bought it at a porn shop this morning. Yeah, that was brainy. Recently fired, one shotgun. Taylor, what you need is a lawyer. A good lawyer. Uh, that's the way I feel about it. Put your hands up. Uh, don't point a gun at me, Taylor. I don't like it. Mister, you'll help me or I'll kill you too. I'd just as soon die for two as for one. If you don't swagger. <laughs> I died. Shut up. Shut up. Now sit down. You shouldn't have hit me. I told you I didn't like guns. I'm crazy with fear. You're my only chance. All right. I'll do what I can. But first, this gun gets locked up. Why did you kill Arlette? I hated him. You ruined my life. You're a big help. Where do you live? 1517 Cornelia Drive. Are you going there? I don't promise a thing. How much money do you got? $300? It isn't much. But it'll do for a start. $300 in my pocket, driving out into the suburbs 11 at night to take a look at the late Max Arlack. And look at stranger things for less money. A prowl car passes a stop before 1517 Cornelia Drive. Oh, too bad. Even though they kept going, I got out, looked around. The house was a 50 grand suburban mansion as prosperous looking as U.S. Steel. I walked up the driveway like any honest citizen. The lights were on in the downstairs window. I knocked at the door. Why not? Do you know any easier way of getting into a house? Yes. Is this where Titus Pfeiffer lives? You've got the wrong house. I made a mistake. I am not looking for Titus Pfeiffer. I'm looking for Max Arlack. I'm Max Arlack. What do you want? <laughs> what are you laughing at? A three hundred dollar joke on Tabor. He thinks he killed you. If you're Alec, who are you, private detective? I'm supposed to look at your remains. Come in. The same pictures all over the place. All of the same man. A big. 
square-faced, jolly man who looked like he ate a six-course dinner every evening of his life. Portraits and pictures on horseback poses of the beach. Others shaking hands with people. Dozens of pictures. Are you convinced that I'm Max Arlick? You're the man in these pictures. You like to look at yourself, don't you? Photography is my hobby. What do you do for a living? Now, see here, whatever you're doing. Easter. Thinking. As you can see, I'm in no way injured. This is somebody's idea of a joke. <laughs> well, expensive, too. It's almost midnight. What else do you want to know before you go? What does Tabor have against you? Tabor is an evil little animal. Good night, Easter. Don't get sore, Mr. Arlack. I'm just making a living. Uh, will you prefer any charges against Tabor? No, since nothing happened. Does that satisfy you? Yeah. Thanks. By the way, Mr. Arlack, it's none of my business, but if nothing happens, why is this rug bloodstained? You make money hard, and you make money easy. This was one of the easy times. Faber missed Arlac, or he winged him, who cares, as long as there was no squawk. <laughs> $300 for a night's work, a pleasure. And then bother going into the office the next morning until after 10 o'clock. When he makes the buck, he makes the work. Oh, this is a smart eye, Schiller. Look how relaxed he is. He too got the makings of an act. What are you, city or county police? And he's careful. You tell us which, Easter. Very county. City cops do a cleaner search job. These two had the place torn up, files all over the floor, and the fat one was holding the gun had taken from Tabor the night before. There's no use getting sore. The sanitation commissioner can't revoke a private detective's license. Practically anybody else can. Look, Schiller. He doesn't know. Crowd car took your number last night, Easter. Where's Tabor? Mm, I don't know. Why? Matt Arlett was murdered. The sheriff wants Tabor. But he might settle for you. In there. Sure. Come in, Easter. Have a chair. Thanks, sir. Did Schiller take you down to look at Arlach's body? Yes, sir. Is it the same body you saw last night? Sheriff, Arlach was alive when I saw him last night. Now, I want to like you, Easter. You listen to me. Tabor came to you last night, admitted killing Arlach around 10 o'clock. He needed an alibi. You agreed to say that Arlach was alive at midnight and was killed thereafter by person or persons unknown. Right or wrong? I don't sell alibis, Sheriff. Arlac was alive. You want to have more sense than to protect a client in a murder charge? Where's Tabor? I don't know. Bring in the ballistics report on Easter Smith and Wesson. Sheriff, I took that gun from Tabor last night. It was locked up in my desk. Don't make me lose my faith in you, Easter. Here's the report you wanted, Sheriff. Oh, thanks, Sheriff. That's all. Uh, wait outside. Sure, please. I got two pictures here. One, the bullets from my last body. The other, a test shot fired from the gun in your desk. They match. You want to see them? I believe you, Sheriff. Okay. Now, either Tabor used this gun on our life at 10 o'clock, then gave it to you, or you used it on our life yourself at midnight. Take your choice. I'm ready to make a statement, Sheriff. Sing loud and sweet. 
Faber killed Arlac. Not at ten, but after midnight. He's been at the desk after I left. He took the gun, killed Arlac, and brought the gun back. Where's Faber? Sheriff, if you'll check the autopsy report, you'll find Arlac was alive at midnight. The house was warm. We can't check that close. I feel sorry for guys like you, Easter. Once more, where's Faber? I don't know. I hate to do this. Where's Faber? I don't know. Sure, come in here. After ten years, you learn to rock with a punch. Take a few on your elbows and shoulders. That's easier than losing your license. No you need paper. I needed him, too. But I couldn't expect them to believe that. Where's Tabor? <coughs> That's enough. He doesn't know. Maybe not. But now he earned his money. It was 2 o'clock when I got back to the office. I called the message taking service. Is Doc Easter anything for me? No messages, Mr. Thanks. That second click was the wire being tapped. I didn't care. Across the street from my office, two men sat in a car and commenced to study the racing form. I didn't care about them either. The only thing in the whole wide world I cared about was having that telephone ring, hearing Tabor's mouth voice. And getting to him just one minute ahead of anybody else. I waited all day, all evening. I was willing to wait a month. At one thirty in the morning. Hello, Dyke Easter speaking. Easter, this is Tabor. I'm coming to see you. Sure. Any place you say. Your office is safe. There's a house at the foot of Harvard Street. I'll be on the third floor. Hurry. Don't worry. I'll hurry. <laughs> about not getting any closer. I drove through empty streets to the river. Down Harbor Street. Long flights of dark stairs lost themselves upward. It could be a trap. I hoped it was. Seven slugs in him. 
I read all about it in the papers. I knew as much about the case as anybody else. With five cents. You let us to me, sir. I appreciate that. Don't mention it. The body was identified by his wife, uh, his ex-wife. Tabor was a former partner in Arlac's investment banking company. That squeezed out. He killed Arlac for revenge. As simple as that. Why, tell me. Tabor shooting you proved you weren't working together. The case is closed. The case was closed. Everybody happy except Easter, the something. I could spend two months getting a bullet hole in my shoulder healing and figure out how a man who gets hit by six police bullets comes out of a river with seven slugs in his body. Well, uh, I, I, I shouldn't be doing this, right? There's rules against it. Will ten dollars help you forget the rules? Uh, Twenty, Mike. Okay. Ah, in file. Let's see. Her table, mid name, her father, age 28, 52, brunette, married, Joseph Taylor, house 18, 1941, no divorce. Separated, 1947, identified body, that of her husband, corroborative identification by... Mm, yeah, yeah, skip that part. Where does she live now? Uh, 208 Oakley Terrace. Ah, thanks a lot, right? I could wait for her upstairs. No. Well, then, if you could tell me where she works, I'm an old friend. If you're an old friend, you know where she works. Some evening, you wait outside a rooming house. Pick a rainy night two days after a bullet was taken out of your shoulder. Watch the tenants coming home, some at six, some at eight, ten, twelve, or any other sweet time they feel like. Then tell me which one of them is the 28-year-old 5'2 brunette who answers to the name of Harriet Tabor. No, I'm Lola Duncan. I'm sorry, excuse me. Oh, that's all right. I'm willing to get acquainted. Be a detective. Shadow people make big money. I'll bet I spent two years of my life waiting on street corners for people who never showed up. Do you like rain? Tell me about it at two o'clock in the morning. Excuse me, miss, I want to ask you. Uh, awful weather. Sorry, I, I mean... Gee, look, Chris, you shouldn't be out here in the rain. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting. I have to wait. You come inside with me just a second. You can wait in the fog. Don't make any noise, Mrs. Martinez, of the chair. When you feel better or when the rain stops, you can leave. Just close the front door. It's a spring lock. Thanks. Thanks a lot. That's all right. Good night. Good night. Uh, what's your name, miss? Harriet Tabor. Good night. Thin-faced, half-starved girl in a sleazy fur coat. He yanks you out of the rain so you won't get pneumonia. 
Now you can show your gratitude. Figure out an angle to connect you with a murder. Damn an egg, sunny side up, toast and coffee. Bring it up, will you, sister? Yes, sir. Afternoon, Miss Faber. Hello. Oh. <laughs> Hello there. What are you doing here? Well, I saw you through the window, thought I'd come in and say thanks properly. Look, sister, you only got a half an hour to eat. Give us a break, will you? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. I'm very sorry. Damn, hey, I'm sorry, sorry. No one love and Java. What time did you get off, Miss Faber? This is my early evening. I'm so sick. I'll meet you outside. You sure you won't? My name is Dike Easter. I'll be waiting at six. Dike Easter, that's easy to remember. At six? If you like. Now, that settles. Maybe I can get my ham and eggs, huh? Tea and toast is all I want, thank you. Now, wait. What kind of dinner is that? Too tired to eat. When you handle food all day long, you can't. Tell me something about yourself, Mr. Easter. Been at it very long, waiting on table. Ever since about two years ago. Who were you waiting for last night? Hmm? Guy owes me money. Been working since you left your husband? You know about that? <laughs> when I'm interested in a girl, I like to know all about her. Oh. I'm a widow now. Completely free. <laughs> you think I'm bold, but I'm only lonely. Are you lonely, Mrs. Mm, not now. Call me Dice. 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 You need somebody to look after you, Harriet. Somebody like me. Waiter. Yes, sir. Two steaks, French fried potatoes, chef salad. We'll order dessert later. Dice. <laughs> okay, so I'm a monster. I play on the emotions of heartbroken widows. You name it, I'm it. But that doesn't say it all. My business is murder. I'm like a hunting dog. You can't shoot over my head and tell me to forget the quarry. A cop put six bullets into a man. He comes out of the river with seven plugs in him. Where does the seventh bullet come from? I have to know. I have to know. Wouldn't you like to put your arm around your girl? Guys, something the matter? No. Yes. Harriet, there's something I've got to find out. Anything, Dyke, anything. Just ask me. What really happened to your husband? What's about it, Dyke? Please, off the water so cool. Harriet, I have to know. Of course, I'll tell you whatever you want to know. I could tell you so much. Your husband. He was killed by the police. He murdered a man. The police trapped him and shot him. I know that part, but why? I left him two years before it happened, Ike. Is there nothing else you want to know? Yes, there is. You knew Arlac. You must have known him. He and your husband were partners. Arlac was a strange man. He lived alone. Nobody knew him. He was in love with him. Ike. Look at me. Do you believe that? I don't know what to believe. I'm not a pretty woman, Dyke. No, no, no. no don't protest. No. You made me feel pretty and desirable, but I'm not. Not really. I was the kind Jim wanted. Somebody he could rule, not the kind who'd appeal to Max Arlen. Dyke. I'm sorry, Harriet. Forget I mentioned No, it. I've been waiting for you to mention it. In the beginning, Jim and Max and Vern were part. Vern? Vern Pollard. He put up the money to get Jim and Max started. 
Jim couldn't stand money. There never was enough for him. Max only wanted power. They told me Max found Jim stealing. Uh, maybe he did. Jim was forced out of the company, so he killed Max. Does that tell you anything? Maybe it does. Is that all you have to say? It could be a lead. Could I'm glad. Night, I think. Night. Where are you going? Home. Like, you forgot about the papers. They had your name in it. I knew it all the time, and I, I wouldn't think about it. Like, you're not lonely. Your anger keeps you warm. Have you ever felt like something that crawled out from under a rock? No? You're lucky. I let her go. I watched the thin, foul back move swiftly along the boardwalk. Turn a corner without hesitation. She was gone. She'd never forgive me. Never. Gave you the brush off, eh? Yeah. Hello, Schiller. Been following us? Yeah. <laughs> you never learned, do you? I'm stubborn. <laughs> Schiller. Suppose you led the cops to a client's hideout, not accidentally, but deliberately. When is the next time anybody would ever trust you unless you cleaned up the whole mess? There's that. But you heard the sheriff. The case is closed. Sure it is. That's why you've been shadowing me. Easter, you're not the only one with free time. And I can count up to seven. Seven slugs in a man's body when there should be six. Vern Pollard, the silent partner. He's a natural. You don't give us much credit, do you? We turned him inside out. No use. The thing is airtight. But it doesn't make sense. And that seventh slug. Look, Easter, I owe you something for the shellacking yourself. Here it is. Get your license transferred to another city. You might live longer. why I kept hanging around Harriet's rooming house. I knew she wouldn't talk to me. I didn't even try to bother her. You go along for days, weeks, nothing happens. And then the sky falls on her. It was one of her early evenings. From the doorway across the street, I watched her walking toward the house. like a magician's illusion. You see it happening, but you know it can't be true. It has to be a trick. The voice was Jim Tabor's. The mouse face above the wheel was Jim Tabor's. But Tabor had been buried a month ago with seven slugs in his body. Harriet identified the body, so did the dentist. Yet now, here before my eyes, Harriet had stepped into a car with him, and they were getting away. to my car or started it. It was like a wild dream. One moment you're standing alone in the street, the next you're behind the wheel of a car, and the only thing in the world that's important is to catch up, to stop the meeting's death, to crash into them. They knew I was following them. He tried every trick in the book to shake me. Harriet. I thought she was a starling. I was sorry for her. <laughs> that's a laugh, isn't it? The tougher they are, the harder they fall. 
Dyke Easter, whipping, shooting, tear his heart out. He got paid for it, didn't he? A police car that came up from behind with a rush through a breast. Pass me. Taper must have heard it. He tried to stop. Turn into a side road. I'm coming for you. Shoot! Shoot! He's back, Easter. He's mine. I want him alive. Come out, fellas, with your hands up. The figure that crawled out of the rest was Jim Taper. The gray mouse face. The diving eyes. Beyond him, I could see Harriet slumped down on the seat. He's coming, Pollard. Pollard, you're crazy. He's Jim Tabor. That's what you think. Fred Pollard, I arrest you for the murder of Jim Tabor and Matt. thought I was playing a game with you, Dyke, but I thought it was going to kill my husband. That's all all kinds of things. Dyke! Oh, how many times I spoke your name. Dyke. I'm so sorry for you, Dyke. I was wrong. You are lonely, unapproachably lonely and sad. How you when you spend a lifetime watching evil and greed and violence, it drains it. Ah, forget it. The legal business is all untangled. You'll inherit your husband's full share in the investment corporation. A lot of money. Don't confess? Yeah. Schiller is very persuasive. First Byrne and Arlac killed your husband at Arlac's house. Then Byrne came to me and pretended to be Jim Tabor. Confessed Arlac's murder. The police discount the time discrepancy. A greedy detective is lying for reasons of his own. Then Byrne pops up Jim Tabor's body in a window, hides himself on an outer ledge, goads the police into shooting an already dead man. Well, why did Byrne try to kill me? You were his last danger. Schiller told him I was seeing you. Byrne knew that sooner or later you'd describe Jim to me. So what's another murder? Easy. Huh, easy. Yeah, suppose it was. You worked on the case for months. I should be great. Hey. Schiller cracked it. Take it up with him. You got Schiller started on it again. He told me that. Let me pay you, Dyke. I never paid you for anything. No. No, you didn't. Well, you got money now. You think you can pay me for anything? The beatings and bullets in the shoulder and a few assorted scars. No. You can't pay me. Not with money. Dyke. Now I'm paid off. Mark the account square. Shut the book. Why not? I'm Dyke Easter. I work for pay. Murder is my business. This is Andrea J. Graham, author of the Web Surface series. Oh, and a man's wife. You're listening to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Welcome back. Well, Radio Gold Index is lists this episode as having been originally recorded in 1939. Uh, thrillingdetective.com lists the original air date or recording date as 1949. And I, I tend to think Thrilling Detective 
just listening to the program makes a lot of sense. If this were actually recorded in 1939, that was before Humphrey Bogart played Sam Spade. That was before you had series such as Sam Spade, The Fat Man, and Rogue's Gallery really set the stage for the hard-boiled detective uh, genre over radio. If this had been recorded in 1939, then we would say that a lot of the tropes of the hard-boiled radio detective were in fact originated by an obscure radio producer in Chicago who invented them long before uh, anyone else tried them. That's a bit much. So barring further evidence, uh, this definitely feels like something from the 1940s. And it, it is actually a very interesting series. There's something about having a series with the star as an unknown that almost makes it feel a bit more authentic as a hard-boiled detective story. It's fairly well told the character of Doc Easter is a bit on the rough side and a couple moments over the top, but not too much for this sort of uh, story. It's also worth noting that the level of uh, police brutality to Doc Easter is kind of uh, unusual for... Uh, Golden Age uh, detective uh, program. Probably the closest we had to that in any series that actually made it to air was in Pat Novak for Hire. But of course, Inspector Hellman was only one uh, police officer and he only uh, ever slightly roughed up Pat Novak. Uh, generally would not be something that you would see air, particularly from uh, Hollywood or from New York, where the police were just being absolutely brutal to a uh, detective, though certainly there are types of hard-boiled uh, stories where this would uh, be featured in the modern times. There are a few good twists here, and uh, definitely had a very strong um, tone. Like I said, I really strongly lean towards this having been influenced by a lot of what came before in literature and in cinema and on radio. But it's a very interesting little footnote, and I'd love to hear if there's any other evidence on this series. All right, well, that will actually do it for today. Uh, join us back here tomorrow for Michael Shane. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.